letter eight of letters of john keats to his family and friends edited by sydney colvin this librivox recording is in the public domain eight to john hamilton reynolds carisbrook april seventeenth eighteen seventeen my dear reynolds ever since i wrote to my brothers from southampton i have been in a taking and at this moment i am about to become settled for i have unpacked my books put them in a snug corner pinned up hayden mary queen of scots and milton with his daughters in a row in the passage i found a head of shakespeare which i had not before seen it is most likely the same that george spoke so well of for i like it extremely well this head i have hung over my books just above the three in a row having first discarded a french ambassador now this alone is a good morning's work yesterday i went to shanklin which occasioned a great debate in my mind whether i should live there or at carisbrook shanklin is a most beautiful place sloping wood and meadow ground reach round the chine which is a cleft between the cliffs of the depth of nearly three hundred feet at least this cleft is filled with trees and bushes in the narrow part and as it widens becomes bare if it were not for primroses on one side which spread to the very verge of the sea and some fishermen's huts on the other perched midway in the balustrades of beautiful green hedges along their steps down to the sands but the sea jack the sea the little waterfall then the white cliff then st catherine's hill the sheep in the meadows the cows in the corn then why are you at carisbrook say you because in the first place i should be at twice the expense and three times the inconvenience next that from here i can see your continent from a little hill close by the whole north angle of the isle of wight with the water between us in the third place i see carisbrook castle from my window and have found several delightful wood alleys and copses and quick freshes footnote i'll not show him where the quick freshes are caliban in tempest act three scene two and footnote as for primroses the island ought to be called primrose island that is if the nation of cowslips agree thereto of which there are divers clans just beginning to lift up their heads another reason of my fixing is that i am more in reach of the places around me i intend to walk over the island east west north south i have not seen many specimens of ruins i don't think however i shall ever see one to surpass carisbrook castle the trench is overgrown with the smoothest turf and the walls with ivy the keep within side is one bower of ivy a colony of jackdaws have been there for many years i dare say i have seen many a descendant of some old car who peeped through the bars at charles i when he was there in confinement on the road from cowes to newport i saw some extensive barracks which disgusted me extremely with the government for placing such a nest of debauchery in so beautiful a place i asked a man on the coach about this and he said that the people had been spoiled in the room where i slept at newport i found this on the window o isle spoilt by the mill atari the wind is in a sulky fit and i feel it would be no bad thing to be the favourite of some fairy who would give one the power of seeing how our friends got on at a distance i should like of all loves a sketch of you and tom and george in ink 
which Hayden will do if you tell him how I want them. From want of regular rest, I have been rather nervous, and the passage in Lear, Do you not hear the sea, has haunted me intensely. On the sea, it keeps eternal whisperings around desolate shores, and with its mighty swell gluts twice ten thousand caverns, till the spell of Hecate leaves them their old shadowy sound. Often, tis in such gentle temper found, that scarcely will the very smallest shell be moved for days from where it sometime fell, when last the winds of heaven were unbound. O oh, ye who have your eyeballs vexed and tired, feast them upon the wideness of the sea. O oh, ye whose ears are dinned with uproar rude, or fed too much with cloying melody, sit ye near some old cavern's mouth and brood, until ye start as if the sea-nymphs quired. April 18th Will you have the goodness to do this? Borrow a botanical dictionary. Turn to the words laurel and prunus, show the explanations to your sisters and Mrs. Dilk, and without more ado, let them send me the cups, basket, and books they trifled and put off and off while I was in town. Ask them what they can say for themselves. Ask Mrs. Dilk, wherefore she does so distress me. Let me know how Jane has her health. The weather is unfavorable for her. Tell George and Tom to write. I'll tell you what. On the twenty-third was Shakespeare born. Now, if I should receive a letter from you and another from my brothers on that day, t'would be a parlous good thing. Whatever you write, say a word or two on some passage in Shakespeare that may have come rather new to you, which must be continually happening, notwithstanding that we read the same play forty times. For instance, the following from The Tempest never struck me so forcibly as at present urchins shall for the vast of night that they may work all exercise on thee how can i help bringing to your mind the line in the dark backward and abysm of time i find i cannot exist without poetry without eternal poetry half the day will not do the whole of it i began with a little but habit has made me a leviathan I had become all in a tremble from not having written anything of late. The sonnet overleaf did me good. I slept the better last night for it. This morning, however, I am nearly as bad again. Just now I opened Spencer, and the first lines I saw were these. The noble heart that harbors virtuous thought, and is with child of glorious great intent, can never rest until it forth hath brought the eternal brood of glory excellent. Let me know particularly about Hayden. Ask him to write me about Hunt, if it be only ten lines. I hope all is well. I shall forthwith begin my endymion, which I hope I shall have got some way with by the time you come, when we will read our verses in a delightful place I have set my heart upon, near the castle. Give my love to your sister severally, to George and Tom, Remember me to Rice, Mr. and Mrs. Dilk, and all we know. Your sincere friend, John Keats. Direct, J. Keats, Mrs. Cook's, New Village, Carisbrook. End of letter.